Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series. We've got this week and next week, our, our good old, uh, piano player back here, Zach Hallow, is going to land this plane next week. You're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. But this morning, we're going to talk about the Word Bears Fruit. Abide, part five, the Word Bears Fruit. Now, there's power in the Word of God. And I'm going to try to stay on track, y'all. But there is power in the Word, and we see this. And I had a, a, a game show I used to watch as a kid on Nickelodeon. Anybody watch Nickelodeon growing up? Yeah, a few of us. There was, this, there was this show called Get the Picture. Okay, I think we've got to look like this. And there was a picture of there. It's kind of like Will of Fortune, like you would get questions right, and then parts of the picture would appear. And then whoever could guess the picture, what it was, you got points and stuff, money or whatever. And so Jesus, throughout his ministry, is trying to pull back these little pockets of pictures so that we might see the kingdom coming. You see, when Jesus came, he said things like this, the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is here. So when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom with him. Now, he will come again, and the fullness of that kingdom will come, right? All injustice will end. Sin will end. There, there will be eternity without sin and decay and death. But right now, we live in an overlapping of the ages, theologians call this, where Christ has come, his kingdom has come, and he's here, but it's not all the way here. Okay, and so he's trying to describe to us what the eternal kingdom looks like. And he, he said things like this, the kingdom of God is like a seed planted in soil. Or, or the kingdom of God um, is like a man who found a treasure in a field. And so he's trying to give us pictures to see the world that is for eternity that's beyond what we see. And he's been doing that throughout the book of John. He said, man, I'm the bread of life. You guys are working for bread that won't satisfy you. But I'm the bread of life, and if you eat on me, you'll be satisfied. I am the water, the living water. If you come to me and drink of me, you'll never thirst again. I've come to give you freedom, right? I've, I, I am the light of the world. And so we see these pictures, but in this particular passage we're reading this morning, we see he, he kind of takes that picture of who he is, and he starts to span backward. He's like, I'm, I'm going to show you that I'm, I'm the vine, but there's a bigger vineyard. There's something happening here. And so I want us to look this morning at the picture Jesus is painting in John 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean, or the Greek here could mean prune as well. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
And you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do anything. It just means you can't do anything that's going to last for eternity. You can't do anything significantly. I'm talking about a kingdom that you don't see. You can do lots of things, good things, but will it be eternal things? You can do nothing apart from me. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning bear fruit and fruit that remains. Now, Jesus, this is kind of in the middle of a, of a three-chapter discourse. Jesus is giving to his disciples before he's arrested this very night on the way to be crucified and risen from the dead. And he starts this discourse by saying, look, guys, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you that, that after you leave the veneer of this life, you'll enter into another and there'll be a place for you. But right now you're here for a reason. And here's, here's the picture Jesus is painting. You and I are destined to bear fruit. We're destined for purpose. This is the picture. You and I are here on this planet, breathing breath on this earth to bear fruit for God. You have a reason to be here, a purpose. Now, what is fruit in this passage? Well, fruit is things that we want. We, you've heard fruits of the Spirit before. Love. How many of us have been the last person chosen to be on a team, right? We know what it's like to be unwanted, but if you're in Christ, you're wanted. How many of us want to feel loved? Well, there's love in Christ. And there's an ever-increasing love God has for you. This is the fruit that comes out of your life. What about joy? I mean, we need some joy, don't we? Just, just look around. There's joy in Christ. Love, joy, peace. Are you kidding me? I mean, we are in an epidemic of a lack of peace. But there's peace in Christ. And God wants us to bear this kind of fruit all the way up to self-control. Praise God. But it's more than that. It's more than the fruits of the Spirit. Yes, it's the fruits of the Spirit. God wants these things ever increasing in you. More love, less hate and decision and bitterness. More joy, less depression. More peace, less anxiety and stress. This is the kind of thing that God's after for you. But more than that, that you would influence others. That the change in you would change your family. That the change in you would change your work environment. You know, growing up, I had two brothers and we fought 
but it only takes one person to turn a fight into something good. It takes two to tango, doesn't it? So I keep trying to tell my kids, y'all don't have to perpetuate. We could, one of you could stop this, right? And so that's, that's the thing is that it takes two to fight. And if one of us comes into an environment like maybe our homes, maybe our workplaces, maybe our marriages, it just takes one to bring in the fruit of God to see things change. Now we all want to say, well, things are bad. Well, bring the fruit of God. Here's God's vision. I have a vineyard. And I took this sapling vine and I uprooted it out of Egypt. And I went to Canaan and I put it in. And I said, man, fill the land. Bear fruit, not for you, for the world. They didn't do it. It was a fruitless vine. And so when Jesus is giving this parable, he's saying, look, a new vine is here. A new People is here, not a Jewish people, not a white people, not a black people, not a red people, a people for God's glory, a people of faith, <clears throat> a people of faith. And here God, Jesus is saying, look, if you'll abide in me, you will bear fruit. It doesn't say you guys better fruit, bear fruit. Bearing fruit is not the command. Abiding is the command. If you abide, you will bear fruit. Here's the picture. You and me, we're here for a purpose. We lost one of our sisters in Christ recently in this house, Donna K. Elks. And Michelle and I were talking after the funeral. Man, I wish half of those things would be said about me. A woman who lived for the fruit of an eternal kingdom. The scripture says she's fallen asleep. They don't even use the word death because death has lost its victory. It has lost its sting. Will we bear fruit for God with our lives this side of heaven? It takes three to five years. Allison and I were talking about this this week. It takes three to five years to start a, a, a vine for it even to grow any fruit. Any fruit that matters. The investment Jesus is making. And I'm going to plant myself in the earth and all who will abide in me will bear fruit. They'll bear fruit in their character. They'll bear fruit with their lives to influence others. They have a calling from Jesus to fulfill this side of heaven, to see the glory of God and the good of all mankind. Man, do you, do you see that the picture Jesus is painting? An eternal kingdom that... Participation. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Jesus says, if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. Do you see what God's doing? He's taking this dead branch, dead, that's me and you, and he's whittling it up, miraculously grafts it into the vine, and then we become alive and we bear fruit. We get to participate in the kingdom of God in the earth. This isn't, guys, you better hold on because this, we're going down and we need Jesus to come back and rescue us. Oh, we need Jesus to rescue us every day. But we get to be a part of what God's doing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to participate with God. Even our prayers, God's like, man, I just want you to ask so I can 
pull you in. Do you think God needs us to do what he wants to do? He chooses us to pull us into his story that we might bear fruit for God. Now, we're going to see him. It's going to be all. When you pass away, you will see the king of glory. You will have heaven forever. But what will you do in this life? Will you bear fruit for God? Will you abide? This is the picture Jesus is painting. That gets me fired up. Because I want to participate in what God's doing. Madeline Hilliard wrote a song for Donna Kay, Well Done. Well Done. Well Done. Second thing we see here is God's passion for fruitfulness. God's passion for fruitfulness. You know why you plant a vineyard? Grapes! Wine. God wants to see fruit for his glory and your joy. Did you you hear that at the end of that last verse? I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you. God wants your joy. He could have used an olive branch. I like olive oil. Oh, but the wine, right? That's what he's giving you. You see the vision? Celebration. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is what God's inviting us into, passion for fruitfulness. I've talked about my father um, planting a garden. He does every year. And I love following him through the garden and him talking about every plant and how it's doing. Look at it. Man, look at my green beans and, and look at my tomatoes and look at my cucumbers and look at my squash and look at my strawberries and look at my asparagus. I'm just, my mouth's watering, man. Like, yes. Look at all. Why, but why did he plant all that? For the fruit. He's passionate for it. Man, he brings out black plastic and he puts up guards for deer. And he, I mean, you should see what he does to get fruit. Do you think God's any different? He wants fruit for you. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean God just wants to use me? He wants to use you to pour out his love in you. To pour out his joy in you. To pour out his peace in you. Man, please use me. Use me, God. Does God want your prosperity? Yeah. For his purpose? Not for your comfort? For his purpose. Look, God's the vineyard keeper. It's his vineyard. You know, he will get glory. And there will be some branches that are more fruitful. I just want to be on the vine, y'all. Bearing some fruit. And here God is, I am, I am taking out anything that's going to hinder fruitfulness and anything that I can make more fruitful, I'm going to prune it. Do you, you see God's passion? Now, in light of Valentine's Day, there was an old, older movie when we were growing up when Keanu Reeves was just kind of getting his stride. You know what I mean? It was called A Walk in the Clouds, okay? And you see this brother up here, right? So he's, he's struggling, and his wife, I think, had left him when he was off to war. And brother's struggling. But he ends up at this vineyard and starts falling for this girl. And 
they owned this kind of family-owned vineyard and there were, there were grapes and they were close to the harvest, but they weren't quite there and a frost was coming in. And so if the frost set on the grapes, it would ruin the whole harvest. And so here in the middle of the night, this bell, the frost is coming. Men, they go out there and they start lighting fires all throughout the vineyard. And in order to get the heat from the fire into the leaves, they dance around like butterflies. <laughs> that brother doesn't care about them grapes. He's just following that girl around, you know. <laughs> Baby, you understand, look how ridiculous this is. What we will do for fruit. Do you don't think God is like, man, just get the, the wind of the Holy Spirit on, just that warmth. I know the culture's cold. I know you're freezing up. But let me just pour out some heat on you so that you might bear fruit for God. I mean, come on, y'all. Look at that, brother. Just dancing around. Do you think God's not dancing and blowing and heating? He wants you to bear fruit. Yes. Man, you can read this passage and it can scare you or it can encourage you. You, you feel that, don't you? Oh, he's the vine dresser. Man, he is so committed to your fruitfulness. So committed. Well, I'm hurting right now. He's committed to you to bear more fruit, to reach your full potential for God in this life. He's passionate for you. He's passionate for your prosperity. That you might bear fruit for God. When I say prosperity, I mean prosperity of character. Don't take me out of context here. Number three. An unpleasant warning. Now, Jesus says some pretty strong stuff in here. I'm committed to your fruitfulness. But there's some branches in here that aren't bearing fruit. And they're hindering the kingdom. They're hindering what I want to do in the world. He's talking to Jewish people who would have said, we're the vine, baby. God chose us. And Jesus is saying, but you're trusting in something that won't get you there. He's walking through. Now, is God loving? He's absolutely loving. And this is Jesus' point. Imagine being in a line. Y'all ever been aligned to like a roller coaster or a concert or amusement park, right? It's been hours to get in, right? Anybody ever been in a line like that? You start to lose your patience, but you're, you're walking through. Imagine you've, let's say you're, you got a Super Bowl tickets, right? That's tonight, man. We got Super Bowl tickets, pay $2,000 to go to this game. Maybe you're from Cincinnati. You're just excited to be in the, in the building, all right? And here you go, and you've waited hours. You spend money, and you get to the ticket counter. You're like, bro, this isn't a real ticket. <laughs> I know you've, traveled all the way to Los Angeles. I know you spent all this money, but you bought this ticket online. It ain't real. So imagine on your way there, 
They got ticket checkers. They're like, bro, this ain't real. Right? You're, you're, man, you're leaving Friday. You're going to stay all weekend. But Friday, a ticket, count, ticket checker comes up to you. Man, I saw you bought this fraudulent ticket online. And I just want to let you know up front, this ain't right. You can't get in with this. Now, why did he tell us that? To not waste our time and to get a good ticket. You got time. Go get you a good one. This is what Jesus is doing. You have put your faith in your ethnicity, your ideology, your political party, your religious activity, and it won't get you in. But how do, how do I know I've done that? Okay, good question. How do you know you've done that? When Jesus looks at the fruit of your life, are you growing in love or growing in bitterness and anger? Are you growing in peace? Are you growing in stress and anxiety and fear? Are you growing in joy? Are you growing in depression and disillusionment? See, if you'll abide in Christ, you will bear much fruit. Does this mean you're perfect? Absolutely. I said growing. You could be the least loving person in here and be growing in love. Right? You could be the least self-controlled person in here and be growing in self-control because I'm in Christ. Now, I'm not bearing 30, 60, 100-fold, two-fold, right? But I'm growing in Christ. Second Corinthians 13.5 says this, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourselves that in Christ Jesus, that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Test yourself. Is there fruit coming out of your life? Do you want to know God? Do you want to spend time with Him? Do you want Him? Because if you don't want Him, heaven is not going to be the place you want to be. Because it's all about Him. What do we put our faith in? That's a hard question to answer, isn't it? What am I really trusting in? And so this is what God, Jesus is saying. Look at the fruit. What is what you're trusting in producing in you? Is it more life? Is it more love for God? Is it more peace? Is it more joy? Is it more self-control? Are you more kind? And that's a good indication that you're in the vine. Or you're not. And the most loving thing Jesus could do is say, you're not. I'm telling you, you're not, so that you can be. This isn't, you're not, and you're, it's over for you. No, you're not in the vine. Now get in the vine. This is the most loving thing God could do is in this life, you won't live forever, y'all. I don't know why we think we will, but we won't. The poured out wine. Poured out wine. <clears throat> the harvested fruit of the wine of the vineyard is wine to be thrown into a wine press. You take these grapes. That was another scene in this movie, dancing around on these grapes. Got Keanu in there. He's like, whatever, man. Dancing on these crushing them grapes. 
Okay? But what's coming out of these grapes? Wine. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Father would walk through and see the fruit of Jesus' life. And he would be cut off, dragged out of the city. His grapes would be trampled and the blood of his life would pour out. He would be rejected so that you and me, the dead branches that don't bear fruit for God, could be grafted in and accepted in Christ. He poured out the wine, his blood, so that we could be accepted. Interesting at the beginning of this how Jesus says, you are already clean because of the word spoken to you. He didn't say, you guys are good guys. You've done all the right things. He said, you heard the word and you believed. And now you're in Christ. And I've committed to you. And in fact, I'm not quite sure where Jesus begin, ends and you begin because you're grafted in. Is this the vine or is this the branches? I don't know. Because we're in union with Christ. We are his. And how did we become his? Because the wine was poured out. The wrath of God, the justice of God was poured out in the wine press. He was crushed so that we could be accepted. He was rejected so that we could be grafted in. What did you do? You didn't choose him. He chose you. That's exactly what this chapter says. And appointed you that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that remains. That we are grafted in by his doing. We don't bear fruit so that he'll accept us. He accepts us so that we bear fruit. Wine poured out. Now, what does this mean? Abide in Christ. Finally, the practical process of abiding. What does it mean? Number one, abiding means to trust the good news. Trust. Trust that Christ died your death. Trust that the gospel is done, not due. Trust that what Jesus did was enough. And it's so amazing in my flesh how I think, man, Lord, I've sinned. It's not enough. I'm going to beat myself up so that you'll accept me. Christ was beat up so you don't have to be. Christ was crushed so that you can stand accepted. Abiding means that we stand in a place of trust and the good news. Good news is done. You are in Christ. You are clean because of the word spoken. And we trust that. I trust you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life. You are the vine. I trust you. That's number one. How can they believe in the one they have not heard? How can you trust unless someone says you can't be right with God by your good works or your good thinking or right theology? You are only right with God because of what Christ has done for you. You can't believe until somebody tells you. You can't abide. You can't bear fruit. You can't live on for eternity with God unless you know that, that your rightness with God was because of his doing. You have to start there. Abiding trusting in the good news that I am his by his doing. He died my death. 
so that I might live for him. Number two, abiding means to treasure his word. This whole passage isn't possible without the word. You are clean because of the word spoken. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Implied in there is that the word, when the word gets in you, it changes what you want. It doesn't say, man, I've got a genie. I memorized this scripture. Now I get what I want. No, when the word gets in you, it has the power to change what you want. So that when you ask for things, you're asking what he would want you to ask for. The word. There is no abiding apart from the word. Have you put trust in the gospel? What is the gospel? We only know the gospel, but because of this. You can't know the gospel apart from this. The gospel is the narrative of this Bible. You can't save yourself. Christ must save you. We try to separate Jesus and the gospel from this book, and you can't do it. Well, I put faith in God. What God? What God? Well, you start describing God. Is that the God that you've created? The God that your culture creates? Or the God that this Bible demonstrates? You can't have Jesus in the gospel apart from this book. You're already clean because of the word that was spoken. What word was spoken? What are you trusting in? What this says? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. What commandments? Which ones? Oh, the ones out of here. These things I have spoken to you. What things? The things in here. You cannot abide apart from this. You cannot bear fruit apart from this. You can't have a vibrant relationship with God apart from the Word. Your relationship with God is directly proportionate to your relationship with His Word. Well, I just like to worship and walk in nature. Who are you worshiping? What frames what you think about when you worship? If it's not this, it's not God. And I know, oh, well, the Bible's written by men. That thought you just said is written by men. It is. Every argument that you bring up, a man thought of it. Number three, abiding means mindfulness of his spirit. And this is critical. I know this is trendy right now, but is we need it. We are busy, distracted people, overmaxed. How, much, how often do you think of the spirit living in you every day? The fruit of the spirit. It ain't your fruit. It's his. And if we are connected with him by the spirit, mindful that his spirit is in me. His spirit can speak to you. Well, I hear the spirit. Good. Is it the same thing you're reading in here? Because if it ain't, it ain't the spirit. Oh, we're back to this, aren't we? Yes. The word and the spirit in union working together. He will remind you everything I've spoken. Who? The spirit. What Jesus spoke. What did Jesus speak? Oh, it's right here. Back here again, aren't we? It's amazing how we think we can have a walk with God without God's word. It frames everything. 
Number four, abiding means obedience to his word. What's his word? Oh, this. He said this, remain in my love. I have loved you with the same love the Father loves me. I want you to just, just sit right there. You are loved right now with the same love the Father has for his son. I'm going to tell you, I love my son. And only in a finite way. How much more the Father of lights loves his son when he loves you the same. He loves you the same. But you know what? You cannot abide in that love. Imagine on a cold day, you feel the warmth and the sun hit you. You feel it, don't you? Now, you can take a, uh, an umbrella or a small cloud can come over in front of you. And that warmth goes away. The sun doesn't stop shining. The same energy that came out of the sun two seconds ago is coming out of the sun right now. When we disobey, we don't change his love for us. But we do change our receptivity to it. You can sit under a waterfall and feel the weight of it pound on you. Like a massage, like somebody like poking on the back of your neck. Oh man, that feels good. But you take an umbrella under that and you can be under the waterfall of his love and not feel it. It doesn't mean you're not his son. It doesn't mean he stopped loving you. It just means you don't feel it because you are living contrary to his word. Abide in my love. It doesn't change. Unconditional. But your disobedience, you're willingly turning away from what I've asked you to do. You're doing what is destroying your life, is hindering you from receiving my love. Hadn't changed. Still my son, still my daughter. Well, I just don't feel like he loves me. That happens. Sometimes clouds come over that you can't control. That's why we need this. Because he just told me he loves me. Stand by faith. Lord, that you love me with the same love you love the, your son Jesus. And do you see how connected this word is to fruitfulness? As we close, this is my encouragement to us. God loves you with an everlasting love. He is passionate about seeing the fruitfulness of heaven enter into your life. He will do everything. Everything for your fruitfulness. He's already done it. He did it in Christ and he's walking through the vineyard of your life so that you might bear more fruit. Here's what I'm asking. What's your relationship like with this word? What's your relationship with this word? Your fruitfulness depends on it. Your fruitfulness depends on it. Is it something you have to do or is it something you get to do? Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that we might love your word, that we might cultivate your word in our lives. We might build even the disciplines until they become delights. We don't want to waste our lives, Lord, 
You snatched us from darkness. You put life inside of us so that we might live for your glory, this side of glory. Lord, help us to live with intentionality. Help us to live with purpose. Help us to abide in you. You are where life comes from, Jesus. If you need to repent this morning, repent means this, to confess that you are doing something you shouldn't be doing and to turn around and say, Jesus, I don't want to do that anymore. If you need to repent about your relationship to this book, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise it high. Nobody's looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Raise your hand if you need to repent about your relationship to the scriptures. I want you out of your own mouth to say this, Jesus, forgive me for not cherishing your word. I've cherished everything else, but the very thing you've given me to help me produce fruit for you. Forgive me. Help me. Help me. Lord, put friends in my life, put, put helpers in my life to help me stay in the word. Help me live for purpose. for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet this morning as we close. Thank you guys for being with us. Thank you for joining us online. I want us to leave with this thought. God is passionate about you bearing fruit. So passionate. You know what? He'll empty heaven literally so that you'll bear fruit. You're his son. You're his daughter. If you put faith in his name, trust in him and walk with him today, tomorrow, this week. We'll see you next week.